Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Is that good? I wonder what everybody's looking at over my shoulder. I thought there must be, they're looking at Trey or Bob. Then I realize there's TVs up here. Uh, shout out to Rick Kiefer, one of the wonderful Christian men and great senior wardens in my life. So, love you, brother. Um, well, welcome to uh, Father John Lipscomb and me, welcome to St. Edwards. Very nice to be here. Um, my wife, Karen, is with us. And uh, it's a real honor and privilege. It looks like Father Mark is doing some wonderful things. And so may God bless your church and continue to bless him. You always wonder as a supply priest if you're making a connection to the audience because I haven't met the majority of you. It reminds me of a true story. My wife recalls this in 1995 when I was preaching in Wilmington, North Carolina and had a guy who attended church named Cliff Bird. And Cliff Bird made me look small, about 6'6", 320 pounds. <clears throat> and it was my practice then on each Monday morning to write out any handwritten letters to members that had missed on Sunday. And he had missed a Sunday, so Monday morning I wrote him a letter. And as I did at the time, and you'll see why I don't anymore, I concluded the letter with, uh, I always ended with Matthew 5, 8, but I would do it handwritten letters, so I did it abbreviated, M-A-T-T for Matt, Matthew, M-A-T-T period 5, 8. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 8, I didn't write out the verse, it's from the Beatitudes, which very simply and fittingly says, <clears throat> blessed are the pure in heart, and daughter came to church the next Sunday, and in... <clears throat> Uh, passive-aggressive fashion did not look at me. In fact, when they did, it was only a countenance of anger and um, like I, I was a bad person. My wife picked up on this. She wondered what was going on. After church, they stormed out. Actually, they stormed out before the service was over. It was a, dem it was a performative demonstration of, we don't like you anymore, Father John. And um, my wife tracked him down in the parking lot and resolved the issue. What it was, and they had the letter with them from that week that I had mailed out, which said basically, you know, I know you're sick. I hope you get to feeling better. I'm thinking of you and praying for you. If we can do anything, let me know. Matthew 5.8, which in my writing, he read as Mark 5.8, M-A-R-K. And when they went to the Bible and looked up Mark 5.8, the Bible verse they thought I had wrote them, and the one they lived with for that week was, Jesus said to the man, come out of this man, you demon spirit. <laughs> so Cliff thought I had considered him demon-possessed. No wonder he was mad. I hope we make a connection, and the supply message uh, is fitting for you all. I call it a supply priest special, simply because it's hard to come in and pick up the narrative of the gospel. I will say this about the readings. David danced before the Lord, so he kind of connects to one of my points this morning. The story of John the Baptist and Herod, all I can say about that is the way we like the royal family in England, nobody liked the royal family in Jerusalem. 
just want to give for you. And I give it for Father Mark as well because what I'm really interested in is churches, local churches, working and progressing to radically transform themselves and the community into a loving, kind image and expression of God and a people of the way of Jesus, a profound way of love and forgiveness. And so I call these some helpful vitamins for the church because what we're really interested in is not church growth, but church health. Because if we're healthy, then automatically we grow. So sometimes we focus on the, health, the growth. No, focus on the health. So these are some lessons that I've learned and I think churches have learned. Uh, it is said we live, uh, we understand our lives backwards, but we can only live them forwards. In other words, hindsight is 2020. These are things that I wish I had known, and so I offer them to you. For a long, persistent, faithful progress at pleasing God as St. Edward's, number one, take the work of God seriously, but don't take yourself so seriously. You'll see I have an acute sense of humor. You need that. I'm not important. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about God. John the Baptist really took the work of God seriously. But he didn't really take himself seriously. Living in camels, skin, clothes, and eating locusts. David took God very seriously. But he didn't take himself so serious that he couldn't get out there and dance before the ark of the Lord. Making a fool of himself under some people's impressions. He didn't care. It's not about him or John. It's about God and love and truth and the power of God's transformative work. We really take ourselves too serious sometimes. Where everyone has a, well, not everyone, but where a lot of people have the Facebook and the Twitters and Instagrams and whatever else. We really have a society full of individuals who have a self-inflated ego as if everything they say is so important. We got to ease up. We've got to realize we're not the main character in this drama called life. We're not the central uh, figure we're supporting actors in the work of God. So we can laugh a little bit. If you can't laugh at yourself. By the way, this, this idea of taking God seriously but not taking yourself seriously, seriously, in the Bible, in Christianity, that's just simply called humility. You know? Um, there will always be another bishop another priest, another senior warden, another vestry. There'll always be another person to sit in these pews. We're not the end all, the final. We are a contributing character in the work and performance of the powerful, beautiful love of God. So laugh at yourself. It's okay. 
it's okay. God remains. We, like John and King David, will pass on. Number two, that's the first vitamin. If we can learn that, if vestries can learn that, if, if rectors, and, uh, church members, that it's about God. Number two, major, try not to major in the minors. And most things are minor. But we want to make everything, you know, you know, my grandma would say, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. But we're good at that in churches, aren't we? Especially if we take ourselves too seriously. See how these interconnect. Most things are minor. I am baffled at anymore. I don't even pay attention to 99% of breaking news because I really don't care what Kim Kardashian is wearing to the baby shower of, you know, breaking news has been reduced to just trivial. We have made majors, I guess because it sells products, it's, it's just one thing after another. And in church, we, we tend to uh, make major, uh, major out of the minors. Story to illustrate this. Uh, a young, rich, I don't know what they call him, yuppie who made his money off of, uh, you know, doing websites and stuff. There's a name for it, like a techno-millionaire, a billionaire. But he was really rich. He was young, late 20s, spoiled, had everything, wanted to go to Texas and do some duck hunting. So he had his helicopter flying in, drop him in some land. He shot a duck, and it fell, but it was on the other side of a cattle ranch fence. So he told his guys, go get the duck. They said, no, that's trespassing. So he said, well, I'll get the duck. You know, this young, old, arrogant, billionaire, rich kid. Jumps over the fence, and he starts to bend down and grab the duck, and this old farmer comes out. That's my duck. <laughs> and uh, the young guy says, Certainly. It's on my land. That's my duck. So I could buy your entire ranch 20 times over. We were going to go into legal. I just wanted to get away from my busy life and go duck hunting. I'm going to take the, don't you touch that duck. That's my duck. So the old man, the old farmer said, I'll tell you what, around here we settle things in the three-kick game. The young guy said, well, what's a three-kick game? He says, well, <clears throat> One of us kicks the other person's three times, and then it's your turn to kick me three times, and then last one standing wins the game, or you can give up, you know, and just quit. Can't handle it. The young guy thought, this old farmer, he's beat up. I'm young and healthy and strong. Okay, let's do the three-kick game. Who's going first? And the old farmer said, well, you pick. And the young guy thought, well, he's old. He probably can't hurt me. I'll just let him go first. You go first. And so the old farmer went over there and kicked him right between the legs, and he bent over, and he kicked him in the gut, and he fell down, and he kicked him again. And the young guy's just thinking, oh, my gosh, if I can just get up, it's my turn to get my three kicks in, and then I'll have this duck. So he gets up to his feet, and he says, all right, old farmer, it's my turn. And the farmer says, eh, I quit. You can have the duck. How many ducks have you fought over in vestry meetings? 
How many ducks have you fought over in the church? Well, the temperature's not right. Well, the color's not right. Well, this isn't right. How many ducks have you been willing to get beat up over when it's just not worth it? If churches can learn to major in the majors, ultimately realizing we're all on the same darn team. A church that will progress radically performing the powerful and beautiful love of God is a church that the members take God's work seriously but not themselves, where the people understand majoring in the majors is the right way to go. And the third is people who are willing to create space for others. The creation of space for the other. This is the entire synopsis of the Mosaic Covenant. Make sure you guys were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Now make sure anybody in your vicinity is welcome. The immigrant, the stranger, the outside. Jesus continues this. The lepers, the widows, the sinners. Jesus creates space for them to come in and flourish. In the words of Christian language, this is simply called love. Love creates space. And it doesn't demand that you have to become a certain way before you get in that space. It lets you in that space as you are. This is how God loves. Hate seals off. Hate evaporates space. Love creates Hate closes in. This is mine. Love says, no, come on in. Hate builds walls. Love builds bridges. Hate breeds fear. Love breeds joy. A church, a bishop, a rector, a vestry, that says, this is not our space. This is God's holy space for everyone. And we are going to continue to create it, even if it makes us look, uh, we don't have a good reputation because we invite those who are different, those who don't look like us and sound like us and think like us. But love is dangerous that way. That we have to give up our control. Love doesn't control Hate does. Create space. In your life, create space for God. Create space for your family. Create space for your other church members. Create space for those you don't know yet. These three vitamins, they might help us really radically perform in substantial ways the love of God which, by the way, is the true power to change the world. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.